Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. When the wells of our salvation get plugged up, they get that way from our lack of faith in a living God. Our lack of faith that this living God has spoken is speaking to us through his word and our neglect of the great doctrines found in that word. We fall away from the wonderful truths of our salvation and the regenerate life. We raise up a bunch of cultural and ethical Christians, but the revelation of Christ in them is missing. And then a thousand little things fall into the well, and attitudes reveal that we are far from this well of everlasting life. We've been listing some of these attitudes, and we'll go back and review some of them. It was pride a pride of life and position, a pride of knowledge, a pride of insight, a pride of understanding, a smug contentment, celebrating as if we'd arrived at the peak of life when an honest review would reveal otherwise, a defensiveness, always building an argument for my position and my place and my way. Another one was a dislike for passion or conviction, a dis-ease and discomfort around individuals who are free of conventions and passionate about the things of God, and then again, Another one is a preference for emotionalism or excitement or amusement or sentimentality in the place of a true, deep, uncompromising commitment and passion for God. Let's press on and see what other attitudes might get in that well, and also where it is that the well might exist, where it is we need to go to get back to the waters of life. Smug content. I have all that I need. I have all that I want. I am self-satisfied. There has been a rendition of this in Christianity which basically says you can come to the Lord Jesus, but don't give up on yourself. I mean, here's how it's flipped around. God accepts you just the way you are. You see all those other people, how judgmental they are? They're looking down their noses at you, but God won't look down His nose at you. He'll take you just the way you are. It's an appeal to a narcissistic generation that says that everything I am and all of my means of self-expression needs to be accepted by everybody because it's just who I am. But let me just tell you, okay, so for my part, let me be accepting. Let me be open. Let me be receiving of others. But please don't misunderstand this. God receives you like a contractor might receive a dilapidated old home. The front porch is falling off right? The roof is leaking. The walls are infested with mold. The foundation is crumbling and cracked and broken. The back porch is infested with termites. But he looks at it and says, it's got good bones. I'm going to take it just the way it is. I'm going to accept it just like this. And I'm going to restore it to what it was built to be. God will take you just as you are to make you, right now, what you're not. What you can't be unless He takes you completely and fully. So if you're going to give yourself to Him, don't strut up. Don't say, here, okay, good. I can finally trust myself to this person because, well, He's not going to mess with me. No, He's going to clean up the mess. Smug contentment, Mm, a dangerous thing. 
Defensiveness. There's another one. Always building an argument for my position and my place and my way of thinking. And, you know, a person in the church can maintain a certain expression of humility until all of a sudden you stumble upon the things that they truly treasure in themselves that they don't want anybody to take from them. And at that moment in time, choo, you know, they can become very defensive. Now, folks, that's defensiveness is a spirit that says there's rubble in the well. That very thing that makes you strike out at a person and defend yourself. You know, you've been so good and you've been so thoughtful and you've actually been taking note of what a wonderful person you've been for the last couple of weeks. How dare they? As if somehow it was supposed to pay off and that shows you something of the... something in the motivation wasn't right. I don't know if you do this. Every once in a while I find myself struck upon those periods of time when I've strung together very nice things. And then I have to remind myself, oh God, help me not to take note that I'm being nice. You know, help me not to build up an argument for, I've been so nice. I've been so patient. I've been so kind. Okay, that's it. Nice ends here. Patient ends here. That's defensiveness. Tells you a lot of that other stuff is just rubble. Not the Lord Jesus letting his life pulse through you. Here's another one. A dislike for passion and conviction. A spirit that comes up within you that is uncomfortable and ill at ease around individuals who are free of convention and passionate before the living God. Individuals who are just exulting in Christ's life and their enthusiasm is just a little too much for you and uncomfortable for you. Well, maybe there's rubble in the well and you're kind of proud about the fact that you figured out how to maintain it. And have a good comportment in your life before others, in your religious experience, and the way in which you carry out the Christian life. Now, just in case you're a person who likes spontaneity and emotionalism and going crazy in your Christian life, and you say, yeah, there it is, that's the problem in the church, all those people who are so stiff and can't be enthusiastic about anything, let me just say that the other side, the other part of the spirit that's wrong, is a preference for emotionalism and excitement, and amusement, and sensationalism, and sentimentalism in the place of true passion and conviction. You know, the individual who finds the church boring, and so he just wants every time he comes to church for there to be something new and fresh and exciting, and something to be appealing. I had a guy once tell me that when he came to church, every time I come to church, I want to experience, I want to be surprised, and I want to experience spontaneity all the time. I feel it quenches the spirit if we just do the same thing all the time. And, well, that's not a sign of spiritual development either. That's a sign of a worn-out spirit where the rebel is in the well, and so you constantly have to find something new and something new and something new to titillate you and interest you and keep your focus. I remember telling him, listen, if every time you came around a corner, I jumped out and said, surprise, how many times did I do that before it was no longer surprising? It's not possible to always be surprised and to experience spontaneity in life. It's not the right demand. It shows you that you've, you're lacking the deep, resonant passion of God informing you and speaking your life and the deep, resonant conviction that endures through day after day after day after day of the same thing. 
So a dislike for passion and conviction, but also a preference for emotionalism and excitement. Here's another one. Carrying over this idea of the mundane, a neglecting or carelessness in regards to the various means of grace. The means of grace, we've talked about these. Their prayer, their public worship, their fellowship with other believers, their studying your Bible, receiving good teaching, their serving others, their sharing with others the faith that Christ has put in your own heart. These are means of grace. And what we mean by that is they're not grace themselves, but they're the pathways that God opens up to us through which the Lord Jesus communicates to us more and more of His life. Individuals begin to neglect these things. The failure to live in a surrendered application to God's truth turns these vital patterns of the Christian life and the vital truths of the Christian life into cliches. So when you're no longer giving yourself to them with an intent to live for the Lord Jesus and love Him and serve Him and find Him and discover Him and experience Him and taste Him, then all of a sudden these things that become pathways for those experiences become boring and mundane. They just become the same old, same old. And when you no longer come to those precious doctrines in a wondrous surrender to the truths of a God who's revealed in them, then the truths themselves can become kind of a yawner. You have heard it all before. Just this week, I was sharing with somebody my thought about a vital doctrine from the truth. This individual is a Christian as well. In fact, they're involved in ministry. I spoke about this vital truth to them, and they agreed with me about what I said, but then they wanted to correct me, and it left me really confused. Because they said something like this, Yes, that is true, but you have to learn to say it in a different way, because when I hear it said like that, or you know, when people say something like that, well, when others hear you say something like that, a little bit of distancing here now, they just kind of roll their eyes and think to themselves, Oh, we've all heard that before. Well, this person was kind of critiquing my manner of communication, but in the process, I think they were kind of making a severe confession of their own heart. A heart problem. The simple truths of God, which are simple, had become old and worn to them. They were not inclined to embrace them unless somehow they could be restated in some kind of compelling, exciting way. In this case, the person wasn't really looking for me to reduce the truth or a rephrasing of an old truth. Really what they wanted was a new tune to the truth, something that would excite them, something that would generate some sense of passion within them. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 32 speaks of this kind of negligent spirit. There, God speaks to Ezekiel the prophet, and he says, this is how people are really receiving you, Ezekiel. You are to them as a very lovely song, of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. Be careful if you're just wanting to. This is just so boring. Is there some way to make this more exciting? Is there a way? You know, my Bible. Is there some way to spice this up? It's expression that you're not totally and utterly yielded and given to them. Well, let's transition here. As we've mentioned already, Identifying this possible spirit and the rubble that's in the well. We've mentioned already that what's in that well is Christ himself. It's his life. It's his power. It's his very presence. It's his vitality. He is the drink for the dry soul. He is the water of life that we drink from. He is our righteousness. 
He is our regeneration. He is our sanctification. It's Him expressing His life through He is the life-giving, flourishing power that's to be expressing Himself from us. He is what we want. Paul said it this way, for me to live is Christ. He said in Colossians 1.27, this is the mystery of godliness. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory, greatness, goodness. It's Him. So now the question has to be, where are these wells where I can drink up Christ? Where are the wells located? Where can I find them where I can draw and drink up the Lord Jesus Christ? But let me just suggest to you that I believe that the very commandments of God are the places where we drink in deeply of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those commandments are expressions of how God would have us respond to His very nature and His very attributes by the way we live. It's how God would have His children imitate Him. All of us parents loved it when there was that period of time in our life when our kids wanted to be like us and they wanted to imitate us and God desires the same thing. When we obey the commandments, really what we're doing is we're behaving as God would behave if God were a man. In fact, the reason that the Lord Jesus was obedient to all the commands of God was not because he was just trying to measure up to a moral law. The reason he was obedient to all the commandments of God was because he was God in the flesh. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.